everybody. Welcome to the fourth installment of 40s with Friends. We got another round of awesome, amazing, crazy-ass stories to share with you. I got my boys, Alfonso, Eddie, back on. How you guys doing tonight, brothers? Wonderful. Happy to be here. That's what's up. What about you, Fonzo? How you feeling tonight? Man, I had a long ass day. All and... right, that's enough. Eddie, what's going on? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just about to say, man, I'm happy that I'm here now. I uh, am chilling with you guys, drinking this 40. Getting what are you into... sipping on? What you sipping on tonight? A carta blanca. Ooh, yeah, yeah. This is an old school. This is old an old school. school dude, yeah. dude, real side note. I remember every time I would go to my grandpa's house in Tijuana when I was a kid. Yeah. Like on our way, you would drive up this road up this hill and as you would turn you'd be driving up this hill and you turn the the road would curve and at a certain point on the curb there was this giant building and on the side of the building it had the biggest carta blanca logo ever so when i saw that i knew i was almost to my grandpa's house good times <laughs> i've always had a good good uh place in my heart for that so i'm glad carta blanca i'm almost home exactly exactly <laughs> yeah this one reminds me of my grandpa this is a kind of this is that was a, um uh he would drink this when he was uh younger that's i remember up. that that's cool, that was the man. beer of choice back then yeah that was yeah that was his beer of choice man yeah a lot wow. of people drank it and then he used to drink uh uh remember presidente brandy yes Did you ever have that yes dude my yeah. dad got me some like when i was like 17 or 16 <laughs> <laughs> what you get for your quinceanera <laughs> the year after <laughs> hey trip out on this i remember one time i went to my cousin's house in tijuana and he had a little fridge in his room and he opened it up and he had like red bull size cans but mm -hmm. it was presidente and coke pre-mixed what yeah. how yeah, long dude. ago was this oh uh, dude this was like the 90s i was really like, yeah i was i wasn't even 18 yet i, I was young Dude, dude, that's an idea that needs a comeback. I uh, seriously, dude. dude they that seems like it's so way ahead good. of its time. They were so good. You know what? We might have been in the future. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it was good, though. No lie. No doubt. No doubt. Did All you right, enter, man. like, what's the beginning of a black hole called? Uh, uh, time the, continuum? The, the event horizon. Yeah, you entered an event horizon, Frank. And now here <laughs> I am to tell about it. So <laughs> Is that how we're going to... On yeah. the podcast for the next fifty thousand years? Yeah, I think so. I'm gonna edit this out so that I was gonna say people, people are gonna yeah people are gonna start. Mm. Don't worry, guys. I got this cover. No if one will know anything about our million dollar idea. If you're listening out there, everybody, by 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 hearing this out, continue to listen to this podcast. You're you're um you're acknowledging to an NDA. This is it. This is your only warning. We'll come after you and we'll make us. Are we going to do Conspiracy Realists podcast? This could be one of the things we talk about. I don't know what you mean by conspiracy because I just mean real news because I'm tired of fake No, news. no, no. That's that, Instead of theory, it's realist. Okay. Because right. <laughs> it's real, you mean? Because it's, yeah, it's a real okay. conspiracy. All right. All right. All right, guys. For this fourth rendition of 40s with Friends, I'd like to kick it off with uh, something that a story, I don't know if, I'm sure you've all heard of it once I tell you what it's all about, but uh, I've been learning about this guy for a, a long ass time. For some reason, he's just 
someone who I've really liked to read about, like to do more research on. Uh, when I was in college, I took a couple of geology classes and I was lucky enough to visit a lot of the landmarks where this guy actually hung out in. And I was able to give a talk about this guy in one of his, there was like this little ghost town where this guy used to hang out at. And it's like a natural, it's like a park now. And uh, I was able to give a little talk about this guy here. And his, what I'm, who I'm talking about is Joaquin Murrieta. I know, I'm not sure if you guys ever heard of, this, heard of him. Oh, yeah. But uh, Joaquin Murrieta, some say he's a fictional character. Some say he's based off, he's a real person. Uh, but this is basically the inspiration for Batman, for Zorro, for you uh, comic nerds out there, like me and Fonz. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, this is basically a story of revenge of, you know what? I'm tired of getting pushed around and I'm pushing back. And he it, it's nitty gritty, man. And so what do you guys know about this guy? What, what was like one of the things that stands out most? Um, just like when the gold rush came, he was, yep. he would like stand his ground. Right it, on. It, it's like the European settlers and, and uh, the Americans coming from the East and the South. Yeah. Like he so- pushed them back. Yes. Yeah. So he was, uh, he came into his heyday, like after the Mexican American war. So at around that time, you know, United States just got California and there was a lot of, before that it was Mexico. And so after the Mexican American war, they came up with this treaty called the, uh, treaty of Miguel. What is it? Oh man. I'm Guadalupe Hidalgo. The treaty of Guadalupe Hidalgo. I'm sorry. So they signed this treaty and what this treaty basically said was, all right, you know what? This is the United States now, and any Mexicans that want to stay here can stay here. And if you stay here, you will become a citizen of this country, and you can keep whatever, you know. So they're like, all right, let's do it. So a lot of Mexicans ended up staying. Well, soon after that, the United States decided that, you know what, voting rights only go to whites. So Mexicans, Blacks, Chinese, whoever else is here, you cannot vote. And by the way, uh, Mexicans, I know you've been living here your whole life, but whatever property you own, um, we don't recognize it. And so if a white guy wants it, they're going to take it. And so that's how it went. So yeah, pretty messed up. Um, So and also right around that time is when the gold rush era happened. So there's a lot of Westerners moving from the East Coast over here. And back then there was a lot of Native Americans. And guess what? Soon after that, there weren't so many. So uh, for various reasons that we can get into at another time, because that'll take us a long ass time. Um, But you guys pretty much already know what happened. And so to get back to Joaquin Murrieta, he ended up being, he was in his early 20s, very successful as a miner. This guy just knew what to do and amassed a small fortune fairly, fairly quickly. Uh, I don't know if he was married, but he was living with a woman who was his you know, partner. And uh, I guess he was just too successful at the time. And he was getting a lot of threats to, hey, move out, leave your property. We're going to take it. And he never moved. And so one day a bunch of guys show up and they whoop, they jump him. They jump him. They tie him to a tree. They assaulted his wife in front of him and they took off. And they thought that like, you know what, that's going to be it. And so he, it was it, it was enough. So he moved, he moved and he took her with him and he tried to start again, but it just wasn't he, the, it was just the location one is, wasn't as fortunate as his previous location so from there he gave that up and then he started farming 
Uh, that wasn't working out so well for him, but he was live. He was carving out a living. And so what, what I've read was, I'm not sure if she stuck around or not, but soon after he gave up the farming, he received a horse from a stepbrother. So he received a horse as a gift from a stepbrother. He rides his horse into town and a bunch of people say, oh, that's, that's Tommy's horse. That's Tom's horse. That Mexican guy stole Tom's horse. So they yank him off the horse. They, you know, they have their own. They don't even take him to court, dude. They don't even get cops. They're just like, no, you stole this. He tells them, what are you talking about? My stepbrother gave me this horse. I just got here. I don't know what you're talking about. Well, they took the horse and he had like 50K in cash on him. And they took Uh. that. They took that too, dude. And so he tried to explain what happened. He told him who he who he got the horse from, how he got the horse, all that. They didn't give a shit. They tied him to a tree. They fucking just whooped him. Horse whipped him. And now I guess they let him go eventually, but then they went after his brother and they hung his brother, dude. No jury, no court, no trial. Just you did it. That's who you stole the horse. So they strung his brother up. And so that was enough. That was it. He, he was like, you know what? Fuck this. I'm over this. I'm a fuck. I'm a, um, he just turned to John Wick, man. He went John Wick on these fools. And one by one, he started catching all these fools that, Hung his brother and whooped him on that tree that day. One guy, I want to say he like chopped his hands off. He shot him, chopped his hands off, put him on a horse. And the horse made its way back into town. And that's how they found that dude. And one by one, he he got revenge on all those guys. Well, once that happened, you know, he's like, all right, on to the next thing. You know, I want this land used to be Mexico's land. I want these people out of here. So he really did try hard to get these white settlers off out of California. And so what did he do? He just, he stole anything he could, man. This guy rounded up just like a gang of banditos. And some of these dudes were super badass mofos, man, including this one guy who went by the name of Three Finger Jack. And so Three Finger Jack was like a crazy ass fool that didn't run with nobody. He just did his own thing. But Joaquin Murieta was such a badass, such a leader that he was able to get this guy and talk him into becoming like one of his generals, kind of like basically, you know what I mean? Like he was just a strong arm dude that he had at his, not as at his disposal, but he had in his posse, you know what I mean? So these guys would go up and down California and they were just messing with ranchers. They would steal their horses, burn their properties down, chase them out. Uh, I mean, originally they, they said he was kind of like the Mexican Robin Hood, but there's not a lot of stories about him giving back. Uh, So, I mean, I don't really know how much money he stole. I don't, I mean, there's stories of him, Robbing people and telling people like, hey, I don't want to hurt you, but I need money right now. And I need what you have and I'll pay you back. Probably fucking lying. But (laughs) he honestly didn't want to hurt people. And so um, he ended up taking so much shit that a lot of the miners in the area and a lot of the ranchers got like the army involved at that time. And they had a guy who worked for the like the whatever the sheriffs were back in those times his name was harry love so harry love was like a fucking cowboy cop back then 
who had a posse of guys and he went around trying to uh, catch Joaquin and he was given a bounty of $5,000 to bring him in dead or alive. And so one day they, th- there was a, some guys who stole a bunch of horses here in Fresno County. Whoa. Yeah, dude. So they were, these guys were like at the bottom of a hill and, and Harry Love and his boys rolled up on a hill. They saw them and they gave chase, dude. They broke out and, uh, they didn't get away. They ended up catching him. They shot one guy. They, they killed everybody. Supposedly, Three Finger Jack was one of the guys that was there. And they chopped his hand off. So Harry Love chopped his hand off to show everybody, hey, Three Finger Jack, he's dead. He got no and more fingers. No more. <laughs> he don't even got a hand, boy. <laughs> and then one of the guys who they suspected to be Joaquin, they chopped his head off. Shit. Chopped that guy's head off, put it in a jar, and that was their proof. And so he collected his 5K, and that jar uh, went around like a world, like a California tour from spot to spot, and people would pay to go check it out. But it wasn't him. They they, see a lot of people said that it was not him. So they never proved if it was him or not. The head is actually gone now, so we can't even do DNA testing. Uh, Mm. I want to say it was like in a building in San Francisco during the earthquake. In like 1908 or whenever that big quake hit and the fires happened right after. So it was destroyed in that shit. Um, but yeah, man, that's that's basically the legend of Joaquin Murieta. That's man. crazy, man. Right? I, I, yeah. The, I, what I remember about Joaquin, more, what I remember the most was reading this poem, dude. It's called I Am Joaquin. Yes. Did you, did you check that one out? Yes. Yeah. It was written by Rodolfo Corky Gonzalez. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, there's um mind if I read like a little tiny ex- excerpt of that read it. real quick? Go. Oh. So um couple a couple uh, stanzas here. It just says, I am Joaquin, I rode with Pancho Villa, uh, Pancho Villa, crude and warm, a tornado full of strength. Later on, it says, I rode east and north as far as the Rocky Mountains, and all men feared the guns of Joaquin Murrieta. I killed those men who dared to steal my name, who raped and killed my love, my wife. Then I killed to stay alive. So yeah, man, yeah. fucking crazy shit. Yeah, that gave me chills, dude. Oh, badass. Yeah, dude, There's... he's one of my favorite favorite heroes of all time. I don't give a shit what he did, but just what he did, I respect. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Uh, idealist, somebody yes. who who uh, yeah didn't compromise on his morals. No, look, man, no. like people can only be pushed so far. You know what I'm saying? Like after after a certain certain point you're just like dude like i what else yeah there's that's it what else what else can you do you know dude look at lorena bobbitt (laughs) (laughs) look at hulk hogan and iron Sheik. oh iran pushed us monumental they pushed hulk hogan too far (laughs) (laughs) lucky they didn't start a nuclear war man all right man well my story for today, man, is all about um, again crazy shit, man. I I, I was actually having trouble trying to find what I was going to talk about for this week, um, you know. And then just like last time, man, woke up, you know, scrolling through social media, whatnot, and I see this fucking story, and I'm like, what the fuck? This can't be real. So apparently, Elon Musk has implanted some fucking chips into this monkey brain. 
<laughs> and this fucking <laughs> monkey. Wait, what kind of monkey? I, fucking, I don't know, man. Look, it's the kind of rich people buy. Ooh, yeah, yeah. This, this matters the most. Macabre? Is it? Is it oh, don't tell me it's a macabre. Uh, yeah. No! Yeah. So, one of, what, yeah, one of these monkeys, uh, dude, they fucking. Some now, monkeys what, are smarter than others, fool. Th- this, this, uh, this monkey is able to play Pong. Like the video game Pong with his mind only. Like he's able to move that little motherfucking thing. And like that's like like I'm like, really? This can't seriously. Like, yeah, I, I mean like I he, dude, why didn't okay. they like let him play Street Fighter 2 with his mind instead of Pong? Have you ever seen Planet of the Apes? Baby steps. Baby steps. Planet of the Apes. I think we're that was too, I wouldn't too have, much too I've soon. I've seen Planet of the Apes. That's why I wouldn't have even put a microchip in a monkey brain. Well, I don't know, man. Elon. Okay, so here's the thing. So I was reading about like this this article, right? So, um, so Elon created this thing called Neuralink, right? And the what he wants it to do, apparently, he's got like a like different phases with it, right? So it says first phase. Um, short term, it'll solve brain and spine injury. So what he wants to do is put this implant. So that way, if you have some sort of uh, brain injury, you can interface with a computer and be able to like to do um, to speak, you know what I'm saying? Like through a computer, through the use of a computer, kind of like like a more advanced version of what Stephen Hawking was using. You know what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. Um, so kind of like that. And also to be used with prosthetics. So if you have like some sort of like, like, like arm that you're using that has like it's kind of bionic it'll attach to you and then that implant can be attached to your brain and you can send signals to this bionic hand so that way you can move your fingers and and, and you know actually grip stuff so like that, it's a part of you yeah exactly so it's fucking dope i was like what that's fucking tight you know what i'm saying but then leave it to elon musk to make it fucking crazy as shit so he said long term he wants to combine like human and AI. Like he wants to do like a symbiotic relationship between human and AIs. So essentially what he's trying to do is fucking make um, like people completely integrated with computer systems, right? So like that Joaquin Phoenix movie kind of like? Oh, dude, more you than that. that movie? Yeah, uh, her, right? With yes, with him and, yeah. and uh, yeah, kind of like that. But I'm thinking more like, you know what it made me think of? Okay, so there's this movie. I don't know if you guys saw it. I like I just kind of randomly started watching it because uh, my fiance just put it on and we're like we're just kind of just chick like watching movies. What it's called. What's the? It's called uh, Anon or Anon with uh, Clive Owen and Amanda Seyfried. Did you guys ever see that? Did you mean QAnon? No. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, just called Anon. So the move the, the movie's all about like Clive Owen's character is like a detective, right? In this in like this futuristic sci-fi type of like reality or whatever. You don't know shit. But, what, yeah. Where uh like everybody has like a neural implant that allows you like basically it's like a computer is implanted into your brain and you're able to interface with people like automatically. So what's the chipset though? Uh 375X. <laughs> no, I don't even know. So Basically, what it is, it's like let's let's pretend that you and I meet up, right? And uh, or I could just fucking call you, like straight out of my brain. I can just video call you, and like a little like like screen will pop up in my field of vision, and I can see you. You know what I'm saying? And, I, and you can see me. 
And what you if can... Dan's baiting it? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I guess we would see that. So, but not only not only that, but we can send each other like like video and audio files. So I can send you like a memory. You know what I'm yeah. saying? So that's what he wants, kind of wants to do. Like and more me and you saw that kid do that flying cartwheel slide kick. I could like send that. that because yeah, know, yeah. Oh, hey, that's remember? fucking cool. That's in the yeah. movie, or is this? That's in the movie, man. But Elon Musk was saying something similar as a matter of fact he says that he he says um he claims that Neuralink could allow humans to send concepts to one another using telepathy right so that's what that's what i was talking to you about and exists in a saved state uh where after you die your consciousness and memories can be put into a robot or other human what yeah uh, they they did that about six years ago. Uh, one of NASA's top scientists quit because her her lover uh, was dying of cancer, and uh, she um, downloaded her consciousness onto a disc and uploaded it into um, a cyborg that's basically just like the bust and the face and the head that looks exactly like the girl that died. Oh my! God. Um, it's called Bina Forty Seven is the Bina? name of the the cy- robot. But it has its own thoughts. It, it has its own goals. It Alfonso wants, to, wants to know if she has hands. No, but a mouth. She does have a mouth. There you go, Alfonso. <laughs> and uh, so she has goals. She, she wants to become the first uh, robot doctor. But she's learning. Like oh she, her. So Elon Musk. I, is she, I, is she just, on social media? Can I, does, she have a, does she have an OnlyFans? Um. You could ask her. She would an- reply to you. Um, but Elon Musk is like, why don't we fucking take that and add that to a conscious human? See where we could go. <laughs> Let's take it to the next level, guys. Yeah, this is nuts, man. I'm over SpaceX and Hyperloop. What's next? I'm bored. Oh, Wait, fucking tunnels under crazy. Los Angeles. And Vegas, too. And fuck. Why not? All right. Here's Here's... All right. I remember a long time ago, right? Uh, and I think one of you, I think Frank, you might have been there. One of our friends. Uh, remember, remember back in the day when they were making cell phones smaller and smaller. Yeah. Yeah. Remember, like before they had like screens on them and shit. And, you know, they were just making them hella small. And I remember, like at one point, oh, their phones. I remember I went <laughs> at one point, uh, like I had like this really fucking small ass little phone. And but one, I, just because it was small didn't mean you had to put up your butthole fool. <laughs> hey man, where else was gonna put it? Uh but uh you know one of our friends was like, dude, what the fuck? Let me see your phone. He was tripping out how small it was, dude. And he was like legit like saying they're gonna make these things so small that like they're gonna be like tiny and you can actually be like implant them in your brain. He goes, like, dude, we're gonna have like phones in our brains, you can just think of that, right. And Shane said, what if you can't hang up the phone and all you hear is, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and he goes, and he goes, dude, you're going to go crazy, right? Because all you can hear is a, is a dial tone and it's going to be broken and you're going to go crazy. And he goes, what if, what if you go crazy and you just want to get the dial tone out of your head and you just want to like drill your head and we're going <laughs> to, and you're going to die or dude, we're all going to die. <laughs> Yeah. But like, dude, but no joke though. I mean, I'm thinking yeah, about no. this shit now. Like, 
dude, what if that kind of does happen? Like, what if something malfunctions and you fucking go haywire? Oh, well, go kill yourself in quiet and someplace quiet because I don't want to hear it. I would just send it a text or command <laughs> say, hey, Google steps. Why am I still making phone calls when I can use telepathy? What what I'm saying is, can we control? Yeah, you're right, Frank. That's what I was going to say. Can we just do control delete? Is that that what we can do? Just restart it? And if that's the case, like, do you just go to sleep wherever the fuck you're at? Is that what happens? Oh, you got to wait to start. No, I think they'll they'll still be your conscious brain and then the little chip. um, Elon Musk already has it installed in his brain, believe it or not. Does he for real? Yes. Um, How How do you know this? You'd be going over Elon Musk's house? No, I I read all his shit. I read all his shit online. Um, He drilled like a dime-sized hole in his skull, took out that part of the skull, put in the chip, put the skull back in, and eventually it healed. So his cell phone's in his brain. You you Uh, say that like he just patched some drywall. Oh, that's how he described it. (laughs) Um. But I'm excited for the technology just because I was diagnosed with Huntington's disease. And his main priority is people with neurological diseases. So let's say um, um, the Huntington's gene starts expressing himself. Mm -hmm. Um, This chip or whatever you want to call it would send a counter um, shockwave to prevent it from from spreading. Like that's that's pretty much what would happen in a nutshell. That's amazing, dude. Yeah, it, it's mind blowing, man. It's so people with like uh, yeah, so, um, epilepsy, Huntington's disease. Uh, what about like Parkinson's uh, or dementia or? That's it's all the same shit, man. Oh, it, it's all in the it same is. category. The research it's just, is all tied together. Yeah, yeah, and so so you, if think... you think about it. Um, we are already fucking cyborgs, except the computer parts on the outside of our body. Yeah, I mean, that's every, true. every time we drive a fucking car, every time we're on a cell phone, every time um, we get on our laptops or tablets, he he just wants to put that shit inside. Yeah, I mean, I get it, I get it, but I'm like, man, that's like to interface like your nervous system to to like that. I don't know, man. That I don't know. I don't know how how quick I'm gonna be to jump on that train. Like, be like, oh yeah, we got some brain implants over here. You, know you said saying? the same thing about guacamole on a cheeseburger. Remember that? I don't know. Remember that? I don't know about that. This is crazy. This is too advanced. No joke, though. It's not supposed to you happen really, like you really this. Think, you really think uh, we're going to see this this actually play out in our lifetimes? Yeah, Oh, man. yeah, yeah. Hell yeah. Within the next five years, man. Five years. That's ambitious, yeah. my friend. Like, well, how, because how, what, what, what scale do you think? Faster... I'm sorry. No, it's okay. I'm just saying. What what scale do you think that's it's gonna it's gonna be like a, like at what level are we gonna see this being implemented in five years? I, I think I'll be able to to ask Google to um give um you know play search for Bigfoot pictures or yeah play DJ Quick in my car. And DJ Quick will already be playing in my Tesla by the DJ time I get Quick it. Will already be driving my car. <laughs> <laughs> DJ really? Quick works for uh, Uber. He'll be picking me up. <laughs> <laughs> wow, man! 
that that's that's a bold statement. That's a bold statement. Five years, so twenty twenty six, huh? Yeah, yeah. I, I it's gonna. I mean, fuck, man. We already have cars that are driving themselves. Um, yeah, but I, I feel like in in an engineering sense, that's that's a lot more. That's it's easier to do than interface with with somebody's like extremely complex, uh, you know, fucking cortex and shit. I, I guess what we what the the missing information is like how much what does the technology look like now what what's what are his current findings what what yeah. does he have that we don't know about how far advanced is he yeah. with this look, shit I, I'm just saying I'm excited dude like it it seems like at least it's for his short term plans you know to use it for for medical purposes it seems amazing and it's it's awesome and I and I would love to see it work that way. The long-term sci-fi shit, man, that that scares the shit out of me. I don't know. Terminators are right around the corner. I'm telling you, fucking Skynet. T-1000. <laughs> oh, well. It's got to adapt. Yeah. Yep. Uh, but you works know on robots, too. <laughs> I don't know, man. I don't know. I don't think they have a... They don't have a... Uh, I don't think you can do a blood choke on, on a T-1000. T-1000. But I can heel hook the shit out of him and he can't walk. <laughs> uh, Why so ain't you walking, fool? Micro-adjustments. But you know what would be badass, though? My white belt. Can you imagine playing a video game with, like, an AI implanted in your brain? That should be dope. Yeah. yeah you can be cool. the video game. Yeah. Did you guys yeah. ever see, um, uh, was it Ready Player One? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. That would be Good. dope. All right. So that was my topic, man. Cool. cool. All right, Eddie. What you got for us today, brother? Uh, the uh, most badass motherfucker uh, in the history of Mexico, man. Um, Emiliano Zapata. Yeah. I, uh, the, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'll go. Do you want me to start now? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, here here goes. Let me take a drink. Uh, Emiliano Zapata was the most important figure in the Mexican Revolution, uh, during which he formed the Liberation Army of the South. Um, so yeah, I, I learned a lot. Man. I, I learned a lot about who he was. Um, just mind you, um, Emiliano Zapata, um, his life took place during the time of the revolution, so... It was, uh, there are a lot of moving parts, a lot of different figures. Um, so I might leave out some stuff ju ju just for uh, time the sake. sake of time. But uh, yeah. I, I tried my best to, to um, include the most, what was, I felt the most important uh, parts of his legacy. So yeah, he was, uh, so yeah, he was born um, August 8th, uh, 1879 in a tiny village called Anene Cuilco, uh, which is in Morelos, Mexico, uh, about 60 miles south of Mexico City. Um, Z uh, Zapata's revolutionary roots uh, were sparked at an early age. Um, he was 17 when he par participated in his first organized um, protest um, on behalf of the small farmers in his village. Um, so during this time in Mexican history, uh, Porfirio Diaz was uh, president. He was a plantation owner, and uh, he invited other 
people from Europe and the United States to come to Mexico and uh, open up and operate plantations. And he may, um, so, or Hacienda, uh, either plantation and Hacienda are interchangeable. So he made it legal for these Hacienda owners um, to take over small farms for no money, which is oh, basically God. theft. And they were stealing it. Yeah, they were legally stealing it. Um, what a piece of shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah Porforio dickface. And he was president public. multiple times, no? Dude, he was president for almost like, like 80 years. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah, he, he they didn't even count votes. Um, so... Zapata, he, that's what he was protesting against. He was arrested at the age of 17, and um, he was released early. Uh, in exchange, he would join the Mexican army, which he did for one year, and he served honorably. Um, as soon as he came back, at, at the age of 19, he became mayor of his little town. Damn. Um, Beast. So at 19, man, um, well in office... Um, Zapata was able to negotiate all the land that the Hacienda stole be returned to the small farm landowners. That's what's up. Um, so the returning of the land was both peaceful and violent. So uh, a lot of Hacienda owners might have been hung or might have oh. gone missing. Um, and and uh, Zapata tried numerous times to be peaceful. He even uh, had a meeting with President Diaz, or as I call him, Dick Face. <laughs> and Diaz was honest and said, I only care about my European and American backers, financial backers. And so he, Porforio D D Diaz uh, uh, continued to allow the Haciendas to take control of small farms all over Mexico. And this is what sparked the revolution. Um, Francisco Madero ran for president. Uh, he he ran as a populist, and uh, he befriended Zapata. Um, so Zapata liked the guy initially, um, and he campaigned on his behalf. Um, and of course, in exchange, Modelo would restore all land deeds to every farmer in Mexico. Um, in 1910, Modelo de declared himself president and assigned Zapata to be the general of the Liberation Army of the South. Uh, Zapata's troops were steamrolling through Diaz's army. And in May of 1911, he captured uh, the most important post for the Diaz army, Cuaulpla, uh, which meant the beginning of the end for Diaz, basically. A week later, ex-president Diaz surrendered and uh, was in exile. Uh, he fled to Europe. Uh, so it was uh, Modero's turn to deliver. And uh, first thing Modero asked Zapata was, hey, man, can you uh, tell your troops to disarm? They're, they're really loyal to you. Can you? And of course, Zapata said, fuck no. <laughs> <laughs> um, so their relationship took a turn for the worst. Um, when Madero began electing owners, hacienda owners, to governorships all across Mexico, this pissed off Zapata. He, he was basically fucked over. So Zapata drew up the plan of Ayala, and uh, the re revolution basically was renewed. Um, so the plan consisted of, of, of uh, well, first and foremost, assassinating President Madero, return a third of Mexico's land, stolen land, I should say, to uh, its rightful owners, which were the farmers, 
Um, any governor of Hacienda owner that refused would be killed on site, no questions asked. Um, and the famous adopted slogan was invented, um, Tierra y Libertad, um, which is used today. Um, land and liberty is what that means. Um, so again, there's many moving parts to this revolution. Um, in 1913, Madero uh, was assassinated by General Huerta. So one of the objectives was completed and uh, Huerta took control of Mexico. Um, President Huerta wanted to unite with Zapata, but Zapata was wary because he was already fucked over twice. Um, but this is what led to uh, Zapata's assassination. Um, so I I'm gonna, um, the following comes from the California State University, Dominguez Hills. Chicano Latino Studies uh, Division. A uh, lot of treachery, man. A lot, lot of backstabbing, a lot of treachery. Um, anything, you guys, any questions so far? No, no, man. Sounds good so far. I'm good. Okay. Okay. So a lot of options. <laughs> so mind you, Zapata uh, grew, grew up as a farmer, the son of farmers, uh, orphaned at 17, became mayor at the age of 19. And that led him to become Mexico's most important revolutionary figure. Um, so um, he didn't want to um, join Huerta. And uh, Huerta was then um, assassinated um, by General Carranza at the time. And then Carranza made himself president. Um, Carranza was um, in the pockets of Mexican elites and American elites. And uh, so he, he basically said, I'm gonna get rid of elections. And he wanted to show his financial backers that he was the only viable guy to make them richer. And he would put put an end to these revolutionaries. And so in um, mid, uh, so 1919, um, Jesus Guajardo, who, who worked for President Coranza, not happy with the way things were turning out. He had a guilty conscience. He was tired of fighting for a president who only cared about the interests of foreigners. And so um, he let it be known that, hey, tell Zapata, I want to meet up with him. I, I want to join his army. So Zapata wrote a letter to him. And uh, the, the, letter, the letter was intercepted by Carranza's army, and they arrested uh, Guajardo, who was a lieutenant at the time. Uh, they basically told Guajardo right back to Zapata and say, hey, you guys are going to meet up and uh, you're going to be on his side. So uh, by uh, so they made plans and Zapata uh, met Guajardo in um, Guanajuato. And that's where uh, uh, Carranza's troops um, assassinated Zapata. Um, Damn. Shit. So... Uh, so he was basically uh, duped into meeting um, Guajardo. And um, so he was gunned down and uh, they took his body through uh, all through Mexico City just to show uh, the farmers that we, we killed your boy. Um, they displayed his body in uh, Hualta and Mexico City uh, for 24 hours in each town. And they photographed his body. Um, Damn, so it, yeah, yeah, this is, <laughs> he, he was, he was a thorn in the side of a lot of, uh, people who wanted power. So that, that's how Zapata died, man. 
true revolutionary. Um, but he, I, I don't, he fought on the side of the poor and on the side of the, uh, the have nots. And um, I think his le- legacy um, is, well, many fold. I mean, overcoming great odds. Uh, he was a, a ve- visionary. And uh, a lot of what was written in the, the 1917 Mexican Constitution were uh, Zapata's ideas. And um, so, yeah, he, he, was, uh, he was a great contributor to not just like Mexican history, but world history in general. So, yeah, that, that's it for me, guys. It, it, it got a little uh, jumbled at the end because there was just so many things to mention. Oh, and no I worries, wanted man. to like, sum it up like, <laughs> in like five yeah, or six no. sentences. Yeah, no, man, it, it's it's hard to do. He had just a long storied history. Um, yeah, dude, it's just he's one of those figures that like it, it's it, it's hard, man, because like you um, I mean, I grew up right hearing stories um, ab- about him and stuff like that. And then a lot of stuff that you hear, like a lot of stuff that I heard before I started reading into it, and, you know, um, and going into the history it almost seemed more fantastical than anything. It was more like mythical stuff, you know? Um, so I'm glad to know like more factual things. So I, I really appreciate that you took the time to do that. Um, dude, but you know, he like my, my greatest like questions about like, well, you know, like how does, how does a person just wake up and do this? You know what I'm saying? Like, just like you were talking about Joaquin Murrieta like earlier before, right? Like, like, what drives these people to just continue doing this over and over? And like, especially after like he got fucked over a couple times, right? Like by, by his own government, it's like, well, why, why continue to fight? Why continue to do it? You know what I'm saying? Even, even if you seem like you're not going anywhere, because that's what it seemed like for a while. Right. For him. Um, I, I just think just, yeah. Guilty conscience. I don't know that he, he just felt the need to do something. Yeah. That, um, I mean, that, that must be it. Lack of fear. Uh, yeah, just not, not, I don't know. Not everyone's made the same. Uh, yeah. yeah, you're probably right there. You know, just people, people are just, you know, different. Um, some people want to start a revolution. Other people want fucking to make cyborgs. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> I, I, well, I mean, even everybody wants to rule the world, yeah. man. Yeah, I uh, don't know. He, he was, um, I mean, he inspired uh, Obrador to run for president, and Obrador became president. And um, he's used to talk about that guy. Okay. (laughs) You don't like Obrador? I don't know, man. If you see half the shit he's doing, I'm like, what the hell? What are you doing, man? What are you doing over there? Well, he loves hanging out with the people. It seems like he just loves hanging out. Yeah. Like he don't like doing nothing else. Anyways, <laughs> hey, that's beside the point. Don't get me started. You doing Obrador. a bad job, Obrador? I, I don't think so, man. I think he's just, yeah, I just, yeah, I expected something completely different. Okay. Yeah. 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 He nationalized the oil and gas of Mexico, right? Uh, he's trying to. I don't know if he did it or not. Okay. But he 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 fucked, he fucked that up initially, man. He had he had like I remember when he first started, he started cuz they have um uh they had like a like massive um uh, petroleum theft in Mexico, right? Did you guys hear about that? 
Yeah. No. Uh, yeah, dude. They had like when he first came into power, they had a like they had like a whole black market for fuel. Dude, people would just go fucking pop a hole in a fucking pipe and then yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what he, yeah. And that's you'd what be they like, fool, don't go do that. And then people would be like, nah, fool, watch this. Yeah, yeah he'll yeah. smoke a cigarette. Yeah, and they, they fucking blew up, dude. No lie, they, they, that shit yeah, really not, happened. Yeah, it might not have been a cigarette, but that's what happened. Yeah, dude, people dude, go, yeah. People were driving from fucking forever with their fucking barrels and trying to siphon whatever gas they could out of these things, so, so, and that shit fucking blew up. Yeah. Oh, my God. So check this out. So, like, when he first came into power, he's like, I'm going to do something about these, uh, this shit. I think they were called, like, huachicoleros or something like that. Uh, so what he did is he shut off these pipes, right? He shut these pipelines that were that were bringing in um you know fuel uh to these refineries or out of refineries uh and then so he shut them down and that created a freaking uh gasoline shortage and that fucking skyrocketed skyrocketed prices of gasoline like it was fucking ridiculous and what he was trying to do is get these fuckers to stop stealing <laughs> fucking gasoline <laughs> <laughs> that shit didn't work. Like you can't like unless you're gonna fucking have like miles of this shit being patrolled by the fucking government, uh, you know, by by the federal federalists or whatever. It's not gonna happen. And in a lot of cases, these motherfuckers were like they knew exactly what was happening because they were getting a cut out of it. So it's like you, yeah, no, they were it, in on it. Yeah, it, it's it wasn't gonna happen. So he did yeah. that shit. That didn't work. Um. Man, like I'm, he just had a ter- he's been having a terrible go out of shit. And like he's Dude, that up. country is in they need a lot of help, man. It's just corrupt from yeah, to the man, core. It's just, it's and insane. until they fix that first problem, until they get rid of those people, which they never will, because they've been there since forever. It's always yeah. been. I mean, look at what Eddie just talked about. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> I'm sorry, but whatever, man. No, no, I, I... Mexico, has, it's the sixth richest country in the world. Yeah, they just can't get their shit together, though. Well, Man, the if, systems... If you factor, to, if you factor in our narcotics, they're the, they're the richest country in the world. <laughs> yeah, I mean, making narcotics legal would, would end all this shit overnight. Like, if drugs became legal, you would have Mexican millionaires. Like, yeah. overnight. Legal millionaires. Like, uh, yeah, it's just weird. Like, Pharmaceutical drugs, alcohol, aspirin, all that shit. That's okay. Yeah. But yeah, I, I, the war on drugs in general need, needs to go away. Well, the war on drugs is over, man. The drugs won. Nah, dude. The war on drugs was the war on poor people. That's all it was. Yeah, exactly. War on making sure other people don't get wealthy. Yeah. Well. Oh, man. Well, making, making people like- get rich. Leads us to my story. So you guys want to hear about this last story? Go ahead. All right, man. Check this out. This story is about two brothers that the NBA, yes, the NBA, you know, the National Basketball Association, tried to get over on. And these two brothers were like, we're going to lawyer up and we're going to come up with a fucking ironclad deal. And so <clears throat> these two brothers, Ozzy and Daniel Silna, you guys heard of these guys? No. All right. No. So check this out. This is so badass. This is the little guy 
fucking getting it to the fucking big guy. This I is like, um, what's the biggest upset? Name the biggest upset in sports fighting history that you can think of. You're like, nah, that never would happen. In fighting? Ooh. Anything. Like, just think of that. Buster this, Douglas defeating Mike Tyson? Yes. That's the only one that I can honestly think of in my mind, dude, is when Mike Tyson got knocked the fuck down by Buster Douglas, right? Or, I mean... If you're talking football, maybe that year, or you guys remember that year that the Patriots were undefeated and the Giants played them in the Super Bowl and then they beat them, that probably wouldn't be as epic as Mike Tyson getting knocked out or what these guys did, but it's up there. What, what about okay. what about Average Joe's Gym versus uh, Global Gym? Oh, <laughs> man. Well, obviously that's, obviously that's the bar, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so below that would be this story. Okay. Ozzy and Daniel Silna, textile uh, geniuses, I guess. These guys own like a tile store or a company, tile company. So okay. they had a bunch of store, a, a few, they had like a franchise, I guess, you know? And uh, well, not really a franchise, but they had a, a, a mess of stores. And so they made a lot of money. And the, what these brothers wanted to do was they wanted to get into the NBA. And, then, and by the way, I didn't, I didn't preface this, so I should have said this. This is taking place like in the mid to late 70s. So mid to late okay. 70s, the NBA is just coming up, and they're trying to figure their way out. But they're also in competition with a different league called the ABA. And the ABA, you probably, maybe you never heard of it, but I'm sure you've seen it because – they're the ones that use the red, white, and blue ball. They're the ones uh, that implemented. Okay. They're yeah. the ones that implemented the three-point line. They're the ones that started the dunk contest. So this these is the guys, ABA, right? This is the ABA. Yeah. America. So, okay. Yeah. So the ABA was all about flash style dunking, slow trotters. You know I mean? Oh, dude, it was just beyond. You know what I mean? And NBA was like. Rigid, square, like bounce up pass, layup, no three-point shot. Fundamentals. You know I mean? Super-duper fundamentals, you know what I mean? And so the ABA, they're the, they're the super underdog. They didn't have the money. They didn't have the teams. They didn't have the recognition, you know what I mean? They had these off-the-market uh, cities with their teams. and like You know what I mean? Like Kentucky had a team. Uh, date. Um, there's just a bunch of teams that just didn't amount to much, you know what I mean? But they were trying, and so, uh, what was that movie that Will Ferrell came out with a while ago where he was like the oh, semi pro? Yes, yeah. that was basically like the ABA, but the ABA was a little bit better and they had better athletes, I guess. Um, you guys heard of Dr. J, yep, yeah. Julius Irving, the Iceman. You know, yep. Those guys originated in the ABA and they migrated over. And so <clears throat> the last year of the ABA, there were only seven teams and the NBA was like, all right, now's where we're going to strike and make our move. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to take four of your seven teams. We're going to take four of your seven teams, you three leftovers. We're going to work out a deal, give you some cash and you're done. And so one team took the cash right away. And then the second team was called the Kentucky Colonels, who was owned by the guy who started KFC. And he took like a $5 million deal, I think, from the NBA. Okay. And then <clears throat> these brothers were like, all right. Remember, mind you, this is late 70s. So these brothers were like, you know what? We don't want that deal. 
we want a different deal. So let's come up with something different. So they, they negotiated that every player that got drafted by an NBA to an NBA team that came from their team, they were going to get like an X amount of dollars. So they got paid for that. Then on top of, then on top of that, they came. And by the way, they had Moses Malone on their team who ended up playing with Dr. J later on with the Philadelphia 76ers. And they ended up winning a fucking championship. And I might be wrong, but I think they beat the early Showtime Lakers with Magic and Kareem. So they were a squad, man. They had. What year was this? This was that was like in the early eighties, like eighty five, eighty six, something like that. One of Magic's first or second years. It was probably a second. Yeah, and uh, yeah, second year because he won the championship his first year, right? Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And then so. um back going back to these guys so then they negotiated to have uh get cash for the players that made it to the nba and then dude this was in the late 70s again so this is a super game changer they said um you know what we want to we want a one seventh amount of whatever tv deals these four teams get and because there's <laughs> there's three teams. I don't know how they worked it out, but they're like, we're going to get four-sevenths of whatever that number is. So the four teams that got picked up by the NBA were the San Antonio Spurs, the Denver Nuggets, the Indiana Pacers, and the New Jersey Nets. So these guys worked out a contract where they said, we are going to receive four-sevenths of your TV deals for those four teams. No matter who you sign with, no matter where you show, and in their contract, they put this wording. And I had never heard of this word before until I found I started doing a little bit more research. But in their contract, they wrote that this is in perpetuity. You guys ever heard of that word? In perpetuity. No. I mean, perpetuity? No, not, not, not in that sense. But yeah, I mean, I know where you're a legend. It dude. means forever, dude. So they're that. basically saying, like, hey, for as long as forever, for as long as anything is alive, this shit is ours. Jesus. So We're guaranteed four sevens. Four of sevens the of the TV revenue from those four teams. So the wow. first the first year that this shit started, and by the way, the name of their team was the St. Louis Spirits. So the St. Louis Spirits um actually took a three point or St. Louis Spirits were owned by the brothers. They didn't take a deal. The Kentucky Colonels took a $3.3 million deal. All right. So then the four brothers ended up coming up with that deal. And in their early on years, their first year, they made 521K for doing absolutely nothing. They made 521K. Well, then, I mean, I don't know if you guys know, but. Uh, I'm 44, dude. So I started watching bass. I mean, I remember when Jordan first came out, you know what I mean? And I would watch Jordan play anytime he played the Atlanta Hawks. I knew it was going to be on TBS. So <laughs> I would put it on TBS, you know, TBS had a TV deal. Uh, NBC had an NBA deal. CBS had a TV deal. And so in the eighties, this number started creeping up. So by the mid '80s, they were making over four million dollars a year. Wow, dude! By the late '90s, 
it was over $12 million. Fuck. From 2003 to through 2006, they were making over $15 million, dude. Wow. 2010, it went up to over 17 mil, dude. Just, just, just chilling. Just, just they didn't have just, to do shit. Just chilling. Didn't have to do shit. Just go to the bank and pick up that money. All right? <laughs> That's Check too much out. work. Check Wait, I got out. Can you sell me my cash? Can you just, can you just, depo- yeah, dude? Yeah. Check this out. In the mid, in the early '80s, the NBA was like, "Hey, you know what? We need to kill this deal. We need to fucking buy these fools out." Yeah, no shit. So they've worked some shit out, and they're like, "All right, we'll give you guys, um, I want to say it was like two or five million dollars." Or no, the brothers said, hey, just give us $5 million and it's over. And the NBA was like, no, that's too much. What? Fuck you. So it kept going. Kept going. Finally, in 2014, the NBA settled for $500 million, dude. Dude, they got them for 500 mil on top of all the other shit that they were already getting. So they were like, all right, we're good. We got you. Because, and you know why the NBA ended up giving them that deal? Because the brothers had taken them back to court. The brothers took the uh, NBA back to court and was like, hey, you know what? These guys are making money off of online broadcasts, their own network and international broadcasts. And when we originally made our deal, that wasn't even a thing. So we're owed that. So yeah, we want yeah. that too. And, and here's all you got to do. Can you please read that line right there? In perpetuity. I would carry a mic in my briefcase just so I can Ooh. drop the mic. I would have that tattooed on my, on my hand, like on my wrist or my forearm. In perpetuity. God How are you going to pay for this? How you pay for this, Mr. Garcia? <laughs> <laughs> NBA man, and you know what I mean. Ah, dude, these guys were so so smart, man. Just got over on them, man. One of the few times in history where the little guy got over on the big guy, big time. You know what I mean? Yeah, good story. With one word, one word. Yes. Words are so important. Like, <laughs> I I can't even say the word right. I, I, I would for five hundred million. I'd say it right. Eventually, I get it right. All I got to say, fellas, we got two friends who are lawyers. When this thing, when this podcast starts making it big, we got to put it, get them to put in that word into our contracts. I'm just saying. Alfonso just saying. wants um, mashed potatoes for in perpetuity, guys. For, for life. And for then he yeah, will take the cash. <laughs> I'm going to buy you the best mac and cheese, hey, the man. best mashed potatoes. Though. I'm just saying. I'm just saying, dude, look, you, you make fun of my mashed potatoes right now. But let me tell you, when the world economy collapses and your money ain't worth shit, you're going to come after me with my mashed potatoes. I'll be like, fuck <laughs> you. As long as we're fuck not in a you. potato famine. Get out of here. You're good. Oh, man. <laughs> I'm just wow. saying. All right, man. That, yeah, that's it for the – that's all I got for tonight, guys. Anything else you guys want to add? I'm good, man. No? All right. Let's wrap this up, man. Eddie, Fonz, anything you want to say to the listeners out there before we head on out? Go ahead, Eddie. Uh, just thank you guys, man. I, I love doing this. I, I, I thank you for taking me along for the ride. This has been fun. 
Fonzo? All right, man. I just got to say, I love wrapping up this last uh, episode four. Can't wait to do it again, uh, hopefully soon. Uh, Frank, Ed, man, I love talking to you guys about all kinds of stupid shit. So, and cool ass shit, because you guys school me. I My topics are all uh all over the place but uh enjoy hanging out with you guys um can't wait to do it again listeners out there um hope you guys enjoy it we'll talk to you guys soon jujito's coming back pretty soon stay tuned ah that's a great segue because i was just about to mention you know this is the last episode of 40s with friends just something different that we wanted to try and hope you guys liked it uh if you did please share with your friends let them know we love to have more listeners more fans and if there's any topics you guys would like us to cover in the future please let us know visit us at uh, jujiteroc2c.com scroll down to the bottom right hand corner look for that little blue microphone click on it leave us a voicemail or you can just email us you can im us or dm us on uh what are we on insta facebook twitter we got a youtube channel now we're coming up, y'all. We're we're building the content little by little, man. And just like Fonzo said, Jujitero's C2C is back next week. Uh, we want to get Christian in talking about uh, high rollers. I know Vic and Sean got a super fight coming up in OKC. Uh, hopefully, we can get them in. And uh, the vaccines are rolling out. So, hey, keep your fingers crossed. Hopefully, Jiu-Jitsu opens back up and we can start doing tournaments and stuff, man. Uh, in the meantime, everybody, thank you so much for listening. Like I said, we really hope you enjoyed this episode. Uh, visit us at our website at Jujitero C2C, or if you already subscribed to this podcast, you're going to get this episode next. Uh, otherwise, look for us on iTunes, Google Podcast, uh, Stitcher Radio, Google, Amazon Podcasts. I'm sorry, Spotify. man. Spotify, that's right, man. Uh, with that being said, you guys have a great night. Be safe. Take care, everybody. And can't wait to get to you guys next week, man. Thank you. Metaphors about bundling your home and auto.
In sports, three goals is a hat trick. And when you bundle your home and auto with Progressive, you get a hat trick of great savings and round-the-clock protection. So you might be thinking, wait, that's two things. A hat trick is three. But in this metaphor, great savings counts as two goals, and so does round-the-clock protection. So it's like four goals, and that's more than three. It's basic math. Forest Metaphors, presented by Progressive. Bundle and protect today. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Discount not available in all states or situations.